<clears throat> that wolf. Hi, Merlin. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Dan. I'm just spending my morning in the activity monitor. Just, re- just resting. Oh, I got a runaway process here. Runaway process? Runaway process. That's the yeah. worst kind. Yeah. 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 This isn't the show, right? No, this is the sh- Yeah. No. No. No, have this not be the show. I, I want my quality to be good. Hang on. Let me take my hat off. Quality is great, dude. Oh. oh, there. I sound better now. Way better. Mm. Boy, runaway process. That's the worst. How do you know? How do you even know when that happens? I, um, as you know, Dan, I, I am neither a novice nor a, an actual computer person. I am, I am what was traditionally called a, a power user, which, which means I know how to screw things up. Mm. So uh, I spend a lot of my day looking at activity monitor. Oh, so you just you sort of uh, you you study it and you research it and I study it. I, I ride the faders. I, I get in there and I just quit and quit and quit. Yeah, <laughs> quit, quit, <laughs> yeah, quit, shift. The <laughs> 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 bitch is back. How you feeling, Dan? You sound good. I huh? was fine. I was feeling fine until just now. Bear, bear. Um, did you get a lot of email from from Boy Scouts? No, no, I haven't gotten it. By the way, are you recording your uh, your end today? Yeah, you do doing a double ender? Just in case. I mean, you never know. I heard know. you're back on the Apple Logic. Back on Logic, yeah. It feels, uh, feels awesome. Feels like the first time. Well, you know, I had to make a, I had to make a choice because I've got an engineer who's in the studio now. Yeah, and you're saving literally hundreds of dollars on licensing. More than hundreds. I've heard your shows, Dan. All right. Well, I don't know what you do. I don't know your yes, life. Yes, you do. You I don't make know it, your you life. Make... Um, <laughs> sound like you're definitely on the men. Oh, I feel so much better. Today's actually the first day that I actually feel like I'm, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm human again. Like I, I'm just not just dragging myself from one room to another. I hate that feeling. How are you? Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, thank you, Dan. Oh my gosh. I feel, wow. Great. Um, I feel fine. I feel fine. I screwed up and I ran out of water. But other than that, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I can't complain. Who'd listen? Who'd listen? This is the wrong venue for either of us to complain yeah, so about. Let's, listen to this. Ready? Yeah, nothing. That, that's me opening a crystal geyser because I'm all out of uh, soda stream. Oh, you know what? Uh, I'm, I am trying, though. Sorry? Is this thing. Oh, terrific. I'm you glad you finally one of those? This. Yeah, you got one of those empty tubes off of Think Geek. <laughs> this is a uh, this is one of those uh, Vix inhalers. A Vix inhaler, you know the kind that are super super addictive. Oh, I, mi- I misheard that. I thought it was <laughs> you were huffing a lady. So <laughs> well, I am huffing, but it's mm. it's. You know what these things are? Is this one of the ones that looks like a little penis you put in your nose? Yes, and inha- yes. I can't imagine you using one of those. I have to. More. I have to use it. No, well, you know, efficacy has never been an impediment to you not using something. It. <laughs> I think they're terrific. You can also make give yourself a little mustache with Tiger Ball. No, um, give yourself a Tiger Ball mustache. No, this thing. These things are really. I actually know that my dad uh, was addicted to these. Oh, and so I have so, to be careful because like, there's a genetic predisposition for me. Yes. I'm putting this in the show notes. Where can we find show notes? Where can listeners find the show notes? 
anybody wanted to find uh, uh, show notes for uh, episode 149, 149 of your Back to Work uh, program, they would go to 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 149. That's B as in bulbous, two as, two as in the number, and W as in wincing. I didn't have anything prepared. You usually do that part. No, you were good. I mean... I got a little addicted to those when I was in military school. Don't ask. I, um, I, I, yeah, you, what you do is you get this little thing and it's a little bit wider than a chapstick. It's kind of like a little R2-D2. Is it built the same way? You unscrew the, uh, the, uh, the foreskin, you take it out, you pop it, you pop it into one of your nostrils, right. usually blocking the other, let's be honest, and you do a deep inhale and you get a real like mentholatum dive. Right. Like, into your nose center. That's exactly right. That's exactly it in every way. It's a little overwhelming. It's kind of like a popper. Well, I mean, it's overwhelming if you're an amateur about it, but... Are you really getting in there? If you... I want to take you, very deep, very deep inhalations on with this thing. I, uh, I don't want to say anything about your father, for whom... He got like, hooked on these, apparently. Live with him. It's, it's, it's a lot like Carmex or steroids, I think. Would I be happy to expand on that if you like? Yes, please, uh, please do. And starting with Carmex. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, and as you know, I'm not a doctor, but you put this in show notes, which people can find. Um, well, I know this is. I'm pretty sure this is true with Carmex because I've known lots of people, including myself, who got, you know, in air quotes, addicted to Carmex. Well, because Carmex, what the way it works is, it's basically wax and aspirin. Aspirin. Yeah, that's what I didn't know that. Do. Carmex has acetylsalicylic acid in it, which is the you know. Uh, active ingredient in aspirin. And so the reason it feels so good when you got chapped lips is the wax, you know, kind of coats it, but then it's, it's applying aspirin directly to your lips. I had no idea that that was... It's a prophylactic. And so when you put that on there, I think eventually, I don't know, maybe your lips stop producing acid. I'm not sure, but something happens. It's the same kind of thing as steroids. Same thing, you know? And now with this, I don't know, I think there's a kind of psychological addiction where if you don't have it around, you know what I mean? Now, your dad, now, my dad was like that with uh, Tums. He had all kinds of stomach problems and, and like, would just eat Tums like candy. Mm. I think everybody has these things. So, it does, do you feel, do you feel like it, see, I always feel like, I don't know if it actually clears my nasal passages, but it definitely feels like it. Well, I feel you, like it's helping. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It changes, it changes something. Something, it, it definitely changes something. Mm-hmm. And anything different is good right now. Well, it's not degrading the boogers. It's, it's no. just, it's just it, I think what it's, it's kind of like when you're meditating, you know, and focusing your breath mm-hmm. you know, one spot. In that case, it's making you aware because of this overwhelming menthol feeling in your nose. <laughs> you're going, yes, I can still breathe. And that, and that is really, I think, as uh, Richard Dawkins says, that's the source of the addiction. I'm not an expert. Well, you've got to get to the source. Yes. You know what? You can, okay, you can, it's called the Vicks Vapo Inhaler. Mm. That's the name of it. And there are very, it's, it says, do not use more often than every two hours. So I'm broken that rule. That doesn't cost them anything to print. A lot of stuff in this. Yeah. What, what's the, is it mentholatum? Is that the, uh, or what's the main ingredient? I will do my best. It is lev metamphetamine. Oh, Mazeltov. 50 milligrams. Hmm. 50 mg's, straight to the It delivers there. 800 milliliters of air, 0.04 to 0.150 milligrams of levmetamphetamine. Ooh, hello. I got to check that out. Yeah, uh, I'll, send you, I'll send you some. 
Yeah, it's, it's in, thank you. I, pre, I really appreciate that. Is it in the show notes, Dan? Yes. Have you already show noted it? You can get that off of Amazon. I think so. Oh, I'm on tenterhooks, Dan. I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard, you know, I don't really follow anything, which is something I want to talk about. Um, but I understand that it is rumored, widely rumored, that uh, Amazon Fresh will be launching in San Francisco, possibly as soon as today. This so is the grocery delivery service. Yeah, I think you give them like 300 bucks a year and you get Prime Fresh Plus, And then you can have like oh, one day delivery of anything. So you say, I want some milk, they bring you milk. So what? I, I think I, I would. I would. <laughs> so are you? <laughs> are you Dan, gonna... I've known you. I've known you for over a year. Yeah. I hope you understand that in everything that I do, in everything I say, in everything I believe, in my heart, I want you to be happy. Hail, well, I want you to be rounded. What are you doing? Are you unwrapping a, a peppermint? What is that? No, this is a whole other show right here. What I'm doing now, because that'll upset. That'll upset some people. Is it homeopathic? It's not. It's some kind of pills. It is pills. You taking pills? I'm taking some pills. These okay. work though. Unlike <laughs> some, the kind you take. Excuse me. Some pills work. <laughs> right, this do. Mm. Even in as much, Dan. I've known you for over a year. Even in as much as I would like you to be healthy, I kind of like the idea of you having a hacking cough from now on. No, I mean, I, it's it's on the way out. In fact, I haven't I haven't had any cough at all until you started making me laugh. So I'm not making you laugh. You're making you laugh. Mm-hmm. You look at yourself. Thanks. Glad you didn't hear from the Boy Scouts. I think Carmex is like that. Uh, steroids, because the problem with the steroids, as you know, Dan, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a steroidician. But it's my understanding that the problem, you got to taper off the steroids because, and I've taken steroids. I've taken steroids. I've had prednisone. So it, uh, what it does is your body stops making the steroid that it, it is. Uh, boy, are you ever going to get email about this? But, you know, basically. What were you uh, taking them for? You're healthy. I had, I, I had a condition. I still have a condition. Yeah. It gives you a moon face when you got prednisone. <laughs> Dude. You ever, seen Jerry, you ever seen Jerry Lewis on prednisone? I've seen him. You ever seen him on prednisone? What? I'm going to look it up. Look it up. Jerry Lewis prednisone. Uh, and so anyway, that's why as with Carmex and uh, uh, Vicks. Oh, so he was hooked uh, on steroids. You can't just go off. Focus. <laughs> the, oh my gosh. Yeah. Is it like a moon? Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's. Um, is that gone now, or is it still like that? He's pretty much still like he's always been. But uh, no, what it does is, uh, if you've got some kind of a, uh, especially an inflammatory thing, like prednisone locks that stuff down fast. But the side effects are pretty wackadoodle. You uh, you gain weight, a lot of weight, and uh, you have way, way, way more energy than you would probably like to have. You get a lot done on prednisone. Usually with a rascal scooter. I think I might have taken this for some kind of uh, bronchial thing. You might have had it. If I was you, legitimately maybe if you had, bronchial. As you know, Dan, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a bronchitis-tician. But if you've had something like a bronchitis, maybe they would give that. You ever yeah. had bronchitis, Dan? Yeah. That'll make you cough. It's pressure. It's a pressure on your bronchos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a Texas uh, steerhorn condition. <laughs> right. That's what we call it. I don't know. Are you in mid-Texas? Is that what they call it? Central Texas. Mid-Texas. You probably don't get that as much. But, uh, but you never know. I mean, you've only been there for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting to think I should never have said anything about how I used to get sick more in Florida because now I'm starting to feel like I'm not exactly like perma-sick, but I do feel like, you know, there's like getting sick, there's being sick, and they're starting to feel less sick. Excuse me. <laughs> 
I'm starting to feel like uh, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting uh, shorter amounts of time between my sicknesses. Whereas in Florida, I was always kind of a little sick a lot of the time. And I think that's because of the moisture. There's a lot of moisture here, but it's cool. So I don't know. You miss it though, don't you? Florida? Never. Really? Never. Not at all? No, never. The proximity? No. The, uh, nothing. The climate? Nothing. The people? No, nothing. The institutions? Nothing. Applebee's? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, at Olive Garden, when you hear your family and when you leave, screw you. Get out of here. Pay your bill. Um, <clears throat> I don't think hospitaliano is a word, but I kind of don't want to get into it. Anyway, it's been a big week, a huge week. Uh, we got lots to talk about, presumably. Um, you are feeling better, though. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I understand the uh, the VIX is a, is a kind of a palliative, but it's it's helping, right? You're feeling more open. Well, yeah, <clears throat> it's basically just something that to sort of you use it. You feel refreshed. You have unexplained energy to go on with your day. And so that's, yes. yeah. So I've been using that's, it. Now there's a natural uh, version of this, which is that you can buy. That. No, really no, no, that. it's, <clears throat> it's very good stuff. You go and uh, I think you can find this on Amazon, but it's eucalyptus. I, I, I use that in my shower spray that I make. You can make that into a shower spray. You can just, but they sell it like with the explicit purpose of being used for, as like an inhaler? Yes. It's good stuff. You That's what I use in between the two-hour, you know, the time I have to spend away from my VIX. We should do a special episode about homeopathy with John Syracuse. I would really oh, like I'd love, I would. I would pay real money to hear that. Yeah. He, yeah. Get him Homeop- back. Homeopathy is one of those things like, uh, like bad science fiction where it, it makes a lot of sense at first. And then the more you look at it, the angrier you get. You know, they they sell these pills for little kids when they're teething that are like... I know. They're homeopathic. You They dissolve. We, we had them. We had them. The whole concept of... Uh, like, at first, you're like, oh, like, homeopathic is... It won't make my kids sick with by interacting with something else. That's the original sort of philosophy you have on homeopathic is that like, oh, well, and, and, there's and, and, no side effects to it. Well, there are also really yes. no benefits to it. That's precisely, yes. But BS0 is that it's natural, right? All natural. There's, there's no chemicals in its lack of efficacy. Yeah. Now, what about the silicocnium? Have you ever taken a silicocnium? I don't, th- yes, sure. I used to, I used to believe in that stuff. And now I, I, think, it, I think it might be snake oil, like, like natural snake oil. I don't know. I used to take that. I see. And now what about vitamin C? You got a thought? Okay. So, uh, you know, Watson and Crick, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the racist and the other guy. Yeah. So these guys, one of these guys. They're thinking of Linus Pauling. Supposedly cured uh, his cancer by taking mega doses of vitamin C. And so that was intriguing to me. So I started reading about like vitamin C and immune system and all this stuff. And it seems like there are some benefits of taking vitamin C, but it seems like whatever they are, are not significant enough in the short term of like, I woke up and think I have a cold. I'm going to mega dose on vitamin C. Like, I don't think that's going to, in my experience of doing it many times, never seemed to make a difference. Um, but, but it is very clear that vitamin D specifically vitamin D three, uh, if you, if you're vitamin D deficient can help boost your immune system as long as you take it like regularly on a regular basis. And then there's a probiotic, which everyone should take. 
But I don't I think do. any of I these do. things are like probiotic. a cure-all, right? I swear by my probiotic. I do. I'm thinking about taking vitamin D. Now, everything I've heard over the years says that if you eat a, like a normal person diet with normal whole foods, you will get pretty much all the vitamins that you need. Right. And taking Linus Pauling level doses of vitamin C aren't going to do much except give you weird pee. Right. Did you, there was an article about him a few years ago. Are you sure it's him? Isn't Linus Pauling the vitamin C guy? Who am I thinking of? Am I thinking of uh, uh, Linus Torvalds? probably right. You're much better with... Uh... It might be Linus. Linus Pauling. Yeah, vitamin C. Linus Pauling is right all along, a doctor's opinion. Put that Did you ever confuse out. Linus and Rerun? I think there was a three-year period no. in the like, late 80s or early 90s where I thought they were the same character. Linus Pauling. He died near here. He's the Look one that, that invented the OS later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Linus Pauling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Linus. Linus. I can't believe you would constantly correct people to make your name rhyme with penis. <laughs> well, I don't think he's, he's fluent in English. No. Open always wins. Um, <laughs> but, but the truth is, you should do what makes you feel better. Now, you know, it turns out, a lot of what, I, what I've picked up uh, in my studies... <clears throat> Uh, in the last few years, indicates that uh, there is something to be said for the placebo effect. You know what? I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. I would like to do a special. I just want, I want John Syracuse, first of all, to have something like equal time. Equals equals time. Hold for laugh. Um, I think I just made a computer joke. Yeah. Okay. I, okay, Dan, can we have a new show called Equals Equals Time. Okay. It's a periodic show where John Syracuse gets to set the record straight on things. Because he's not allowed to plan. He's not allowed to prepare. They got a song about it. Yeah, the on only way, <clears throat> so this is the rule. The only way that you can have John Syracuse on a show is if he doesn't have to prepare for it. That's the yeah, rule. Yeah, but he, pre he prepares anyway. No, nah, he doesn't. That's what he's like unprepared. That's yeah, to him, he's unprepared. Dude, he did a monologue on ATP about... Um, but that's SNL him unprepared. No, I don't think so. I think I heard an outline. Uh-oh. I think, I think I heard some BB edit in the background. Yep. Or smelled nine, it. Nine Point Monaco. What do you use? What's your, what do you use? Do you use Vera Sands Mono? What do you use? Do you really want to know? I do. I, I have gone back and forth. I, the one I've been using, that one, that goofy one, everybody thinks is silly, is like well and truly broken on all my computers. The M plus one font. Mm -hmm. So I play, I bought, I bought Pragmata a few years ago. Oh, I sure. still can't get super into that. I keep going Vera Sans Pro. You know what? This could be a Dr. Drang thing, I guess. But I'm curious what you use. I Monaco, I used to use Monaco 9 or 10 for everything. And my text editors these days, because I'm old, I use 15 point, but uh, especially on the big screen. But what do you what do you like for... Well, do you uh, remember my top 10 programming fonts article written su Sunday, uh, May 17th, 2009? Yes. Uh, well, I, I'll put that into the show notes for the Thank you. two or three listeners who haven't uh, printed it. Uh, you know, I go through, over all of them, Courier, Andel Mono, Monaco, Profont. Courier, as, as we say in the Doctor Who fan community, that's rubbish. For Mo Monifer. You want to slash your uh, zeros. Proggy, Droid Sans, Mono, Deja Vu, Sans, Mono, Consulus, and Inconsolata. What about the source? Oh, I love Inconsolata. And I'm, I am currently still using Inconsolata, and I vary depending on the app location, whether it's Terminal or iTerm or the editor of my choice. It's usually eight points I like on this big. retina display. Well, I like it big. I like it big. Oh, Inconsolata. Like Where's my Inconsolata? Did you know you can create a group in fonts called Fixed Width? Mm. It'll automatically pull in all the Fixed Width fonts. That's called a life hack. 
I'm going to go try and console out. I don't think I have it on this box. People who are using, who are saying in the chat room that they're using Menlo. Mm -hmm. These are people I want to, uh, I, I, I just said, I know they need help. I know they need help. Why do you say that? You don't like Menlo? Uh, no, I, I enjoy being able to see and read things on my screen. Mm. Burn. Yeah. Uh, I think right now I'm looking at my NV alt. I changed, I changed so much and I forget. Uh, I think I'm using, yeah, Vera Sans. What about the source code uh, Pro Mono 1? You play with that? Uh, no, no, I don't think I've looked at that one too much. Source code Pro. Yeah, that's all right. I like them. I like it kind of ski, like Pragmata, which I think I paid $90 for when it came out. Pragmata was like, Pragmata is really unusual. And it takes a while to get used to, but it's got a lot of the stuff that people like it. See, I'm not a programmer. I just, I, it just happens that the way that I do things on the computer involves a lot of text files. This with, is, you know, oh, you know what? You, I've seen screenshots of you using this typeface or font, and it, it, I'll put this in the show notes. M plus one is great, but like for some reason, uh, I even re-downloaded it and everything, and uh, it's, it's real goofy on um, whatever the current operating system is and Mountain Lion. Uh, Mavericks. Uh, Mavericks. Yeah, yeah. I, it could. I don't know what it is. It looks like the whole family's not available. Like when you go and open it in the font app, mm -hmm. like a whole bunch of it's zipped out. This is this is this. You think this is what people tune in for? This is yeah. People have very strong feelings about the Bian Pian is what I was taking before. So pew, pew. Yeah. I'm not putting that in the show notes. It's an exercise for the listener. A little bit ping pong. I'll try M plus one again. See M plus. Oh, it's so pretty. Look at that. It's nice and skinny, but it's still very legible. And when you're doing it at a larger size, it looks swell. So, big week talking about fonts. Dan's got a penis in his nose. He's feeling a little better. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be on the steroids. I had a lot of energy then. Boy, did I have energy. Someday I'll tell you my health sagas. I, I want to hear it. I wanna, are you all right now? No, I should probably lay down. I slept great last night. It's really cold here, and our house is ancient, and the heat is terrible. So, yeah, you got to really bundle up. I wore a hoodie to bed last night. And then, but don't you feel uncomfortable the whole night? No, I sleep. I sleep. I sleep pretty well. And my dingus says I'm sleeping, you know, pr pretty well these days. My dingus says when it's, when it's cold, I think I sleep better. My dingus. I'm going to find out what those pills are. Um, Dan, did you want to tell me about anything that... <clears throat> That's my ibuprofen. Here's my B100. Okay, I got a question for you. Here's my Korean ginseng. That's in, that's in capsule, so it's real quiet. Like, Yes, uh, you there. Uh, go ahead, caller. No, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, uh, do you have a preference between uh, Tylenol, Advil, or aspirin? Well, <clears throat> yes. Uh, or ibuprofen? I, I should avoid all of them. Boy, Dan, you are going to get so much. I'm not getting. No, I'm not getting any content. I read. I, I heard a thing on the on the This American Life podcast about uh, about the Tylenol that really scared me. Because because okay, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I grew up such as I did, uh, believing that Tylenol is what they use in hospitals, and it's easy on your stomach, and you could basically take fistfuls of it, and you'll be fine. Turns out there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people who've gotten very sick or died from taking only slightly more than the uh, recommended amount. It's actually kind of a thing with lawsuits and stuff. This American Life, it's a podcast. Which no, is kind I have of to internet. check that. It's like internet radio. I'll podcast. look into that. Podcast. 
I don't want to get into it. Um, I like ibuprofen, but I, I've taken too much of it, and I think it will eventually probably kill me. Um, I don't know. When I was a kid, we took Bufferin. And I, I remember that? It was yes, buff, yes, buffer I remember aspirin. That. Aspirin with a buffer. And uh, it, it always tasted so awful. It was so tangy. Did you have a way of taking pills as a kid? Did you have a methodology? I don't really remember taking many pills. I, the only thing I remember taking is like if, if I was sick, you know, you're not supposed to give a, a child or a person under 18 aspirin because they get this, there's this awful thing. that they, Yeah. So, Are you amazed sometimes at how many things I know? No, I'm, I, I used to be, but now I, if you don't know it, I feel like something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's still true for little kids. Yeah, no, you can't give them that. But when I was a kid, that is the only thing I took. And they used to be this, it used to be the worst aspirin ever. There's these tiny little pills and they used to taste like cherry or something. And you had to sort of chew them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about children's aspirin. I'm talking about St. Joseph's children's aspirin. That Something like, yeah. Oh, like, I could eat that stuff for lunch. Oh, God, what's wrong with you? It's so good. Terrible. The way I learned, I was a very bad pill taker. I didn't like anything medical as a child. I hated shots. I was scared of the spigmomanometer. I, I, all of it terrified me. And the trick that I eventually learned, which now seems really weird, was that if you put a pill under your tongue and then drink a lot of water, mm. it goes down. And then eventually later, I would just throw it down my throat. So you got to chuck it back there and chuck your, chuck your head back. Like Indiana Jones style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're chasing a whiskey or some whiskey sour. Yeah. <laughs> chasing a whiskey sour. Huh. I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, did you want to... Um, hey, Dan. Um, this water's just unpalatable. Um, did you want to talk about something you like? Uh, I would love to. Uh Big news today. Yeah. Text Expander 4.2 is out today. This is a big deal. Our friends over at Smile are the creators of this application, which is something Merlin and I both are big fans of. The big change, the big update, the big thing is that uh, it will work within Google Documents. Now, you would think it would just automatically work, but Google does weird stuff. They do weird stuff. But they do I a use, lot of weird stuff, Dan. They do. And, and I... Uh, I use Google Documents more and more and more. It's becoming like a go-to thing, especially now that we have a number of employees where I was having to share everything. So this is this is important. But there's 20 other fixes and, and improvements. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about a few of them. Better interaction with fast user switching. Again, handy in the, in the workplace. They have, you know, these fancy accented letters. You can have these now in search snippets. You can have matching abbreviations and things like that. All of these are just little things. They, they sound minimal, but these are affecting people, you know. Um, a tabbing in the fill-in windows. Oh, I love the fill-in windows. Me too. You have fill-in windows without text fields. You can fix the tabbing. Mavericks, there was some kind of issue with smart quotes. They fixed that. I mean, this is the thing. Is that Well, first of all, Merlin, can you tell anybody about... Have you used this product before Text Expander? Are you familiar with it? What's it called? It? Tell me again. Text, 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 text expander. Um, yes, it, it is my lifeblood. I use it all the time. The, the the shortest way to try and explain text expander to someone who's never used it: if there's anything that you've ever had to type more than once, especially something that's you know like a sentence or longer in length, right? The the basic high level on text expander is that you can create your own shortcut for that. Where when you type a certain string of letters or a certain string of letters with a modifier of some kind, like some people, I think the Dr. Dragons of the world like to start their snippets with like a semicolon. Uh, so you could type whole words. You can have it be whatever you want, but something unique that when you type it, you hear this little bloop sound and whatever you type is replaced by the longer snippet that you want associated with that. 
And that's, I mean, that's the most simple way to look at it. So the one I always have to say is when I type, you know, EMG, it types my email address. When I type MDMM, it types my, um, my usual username I use for lots of things. So if there's anything that you find yourself, my phone types my phone number, my POB types out the full correct USPS uh, thing for my post office box and so forth. So that alone, I mean, if you just do that, I mean, that's 80% of it. Like that is, that is just huge. And so part of that is then the pattern of realizing all the dumb stuff that you're typing or that you're pasting manually um, more than once. Could be things like, I've got silly stuff like when I was doing more writing, I had one type where I would type, uh, I think it was like uh, L-L-O-R-E-M. And it would give me something like 500 characters of lorem ipsum text. So I could do that and see you know, how much I had to fill in to fill this amount of text. All kinds of stuff like that. Uh, anyway, th- that's the basic idea. It does so much more than that. In the last couple, three years, they've really blown the doors off text expansion with the stuff that it can do. But you know, if there's anything that you're typing or pasting more than once uh, a week, especially more than once a day, I mean, do you ever want to have to type your phone number on your computer or your iPhone again? Well, if you do, you don't deserve this. You're silly. Uh, that's what this, this does. And you know, I, I just so you know, I did put the release notes into the um, show notes because it's lots of like just little fixes and stuff to like help the power users who want to do more with this. They're right. controlling out more stuff that would be kind of meta information. I think uh, there's all kinds of great stuff that they've done to just constantly improve this application. And it's it's uh, it's the first thing that I install. This and one password are the first two things I install on a computer. Period. I mean, that's the thing is, is there's a couple applications that I have in my list of, of applications that must be on a computer just for me to be able to use it. For me, it's it, it, three things. I'll add to your list of two, Dropbox, because that's how I sync my text expander stuff. <laughs> and one password. And yeah. one password is what lets me into all that. You know what I'm saying? So like Dropbox is that feature uh, that is not included in Mavericks that I that I need. And then on top of that feature, I've got like applications. I'm consistently surprised at how much I can actually do on a, on a Mac that's r- relatively new and doesn't have stuff installed on it. And, uh, and, and, and basically, uh, you know, you're, you're, you, I like to, to drive as stock as possible, you know, I don't know. What do I need? I got to get Dropbox on there so I can get the, 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 my data. And then what applications do I really, really truly need before I can do, I do a lot of writing in, in Google docs. We do spreadsheets in Google docs. We have all our ad stuff in there, all the sponsor stuff in there, but like text expander is one of those things, especially the folks that work with me when they're, uh, when they're here and we get, we get request you know, questions from listeners, we get interest from sponsors and all of that can be handled by these really great response forms that let you customize the response that you want to send to somebody in in the email and make it and completely personalize it so that you're not sending some generic response. You can answer their questions by picking from things that, you know, a thousand other people have asked and you can respond to them in a way that's still personal and informative and all of this stuff. It's not possible uh, without text expanders. They got the new version out today, 4.2. What? Sorry, I just saw your Jerry Lewis picture. Oh, you saw that, huh? It's a good one, right? I mean, I'm I'm trying to keep the notes up to date. <laughs> okay. I, you know, can I? Can you know what I use it for? This is how dumb I am. This is what a power user does. I have a private um, podcast feed that I that I put 
in a in a special place on Dropbox. So it, you know, my 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 basic just this is really quick, but I think it's kind of cool. Um, there's a basic cascade. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of times I don't want to go and subscribe to a, a whole podcast to hear one episode. So the basic cascade is, God, there's probably. 15 or 20 podcasts where every episode is downloaded into Instacast. Uh, the next level in the cascade, I love Huff Duffer. Gosh, please, let's put this in notes. Huff Duffer. Actually, I don't want it to get so used that it can't handle the traffic, but Huff Duffer, Huff Duffer is the best. If you're on any page that has an audio file on it, you hit a bookmarklet, and it basically adds that to your personal little Huff Duffer list. It has a social component that's kind of cool. You can find out what's popular on Huff Duffer and so forth. Uh, but it's a really great way, if there's an audio link on a page, or of course you can paste it in if it's a SoundCloud SoundCloud page, uh, but you uh, you just paste it in. And now when you go to your Instacast or your iTunes or whatever, that podcast is in there. I also have a private one because there's things I want to listen to. I want to like like preview something I'm editing before I put it out. All I do is I drop a file into a Dropbox folder, right? And then uh, inside of that folder, I have a, a textmate.xml file. And in, anytime I want to create a new entry in there, like I don't, I, don't, I don't know from XML. Like I don't know anything. So basically, all I have to do is type PCAST new. Bloop. And it pops up that little form window with three fields. Well, first of all, it takes the clipboard, which in this case was the link to the Dropbox audio file, puts it in the right place in the crazy XML by itself. It gives me a place to put in the title, to put in the name of the show, and to add an optional description. All that pops up because of Text Expander. Text Expander knows to pop up this form, have all that stuff correctly formatted. I hit enter. Basically, in less than two seconds now, I've added an entry to that. It even has the correct like GMT date and everything in there because it does date math inside of Texas Expander. I'd be happy to share that with people if they want. It's a great thing. But, you know, it, imagine having to go and like a, a novice or a, a dope like me go and create an XML entry and have it not break. This is the kind of thing you can do with this. It's, it's Text Expander. I mean, yes, you have the abbreviations on your phone. This is great. It's nice to have the iOS abbreviations, but they won't do line breaks. They won't let you fill anything in. It, it's a big blob of text. It's pretty simple. And it works fine for a lot of stuff. But uh, this is just an essential app. And this latest update is uh, it's just terrific. They, just, they, they really keep this thing up to date. That's all. They what do you care. think? Isn't that kind of clever, Dan? Isn't that clever? It's very clever. Very clever. I do that in, uh, in the text mate. If I shared that, where would I share that? A um, gist? Probably a gist. You put it in a gist. Yeah. com. You know, you can also you know you can also share your snippets through Text Expander with, with others. If you have a team of people and you want them all to be doing the right thing, you can keep updated information about office information uh, so everybody gets the uh, correct updated abbreviations anyway that's all we've said too much we did, i did that thing again didn't i, I made it long no it's good i did well they like that and i think it's useful for listeners too she said um and so dan where where would people go to get more information about the text expander product well they can follow the link that'll be in our show notes or they can go to smilesoftware.com slash text expander and that's that's all they need our thanks to smile software text expander and the entire team uh gene Greenman. McDonald and, and Greg and the whole uh, crowd there for uh, supporting 5x5 and back to work. <sighs> nice. 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 Well, look at that. We got a lot of notes. Boy, that's a, that's, a, that's a heck of a picture. Did you notice when you pasted in, did you see what the milkshake URL for that is? No, I didn't. Capital W, capital O, capital R, capital D. The milkshake. Huh. Earl. For Jerry Lewis on prednisone. Right, is, the picture that I... 
is the word word in all caps. That's amazing. What are the chances? What are the chances? Have you ever, have you ever calculated the number? How many children would die on Gallifrey? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Um, now, just, just I'm going to mention this. Boy, nerds are so annoying. Uh, Jason Snell wrote this great post on the Tumblr today that, I, that is in show notes. I wish people would check it out. Getting into uh, what they call New Who, the, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just going to call the Doctor Who since 2005. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot to get through, and not, not all of it is that great. Uh, some of it is, a lot of it is amazing, but it's pretty hard to get into. And uh, Jason wrote in a really nice post on, uh, that I thought was very digestible about how to get into it. Now, if you end up, if you've never seen Doctor Who, don't worry. Don't worry. There's nothing to get mad about. Just go enjoy the program. If you're somebody who's watched Doctor Who a lot, get as mad as you want. It'll all be okay. But Jason has some great suggestions about where to get started. I agree with his suggestion of starting with the, the 11th uh, hour episode, the inter- introduction of Matt Smith. There's a lot of good ones, but there are a lot of really like pretty, pretty B-minus. C plus episodes. Um, Do you anyway, sort of struggle through them and 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 try to suffer your way through? I mean, what's the feeling on that? Or do you just enjoy all of it? You're just immersed in it. You're 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 so soaking in it and so happy that I don't enjoy all of it. Okay. The the quality is ridiculously uneven on some of the episodes. Um, they talked about this on uh, the. Um, what was it called? The incomparable episode about getting ready for the Doctor Who 50th anniversary. I think it's a man with a long scarf or something like that. We'll put it in show notes. But um, they you know, talked about how there are just some occasionally some runs of a few episodes where you're like, wow, this is really not that great. And then suddenly you'll have Blink, which is like probably, I think Day of the Doctor and Blink are the two best that I've seen. Um, other ones I'd recommend. I like Day of the Doctor. I like Eleventh Hour. I really liked, as corny as it was, I liked uh, Vincent and the Doctor, which is where he goes. Uh, he and his companion go and meet Vincent Van Gogh. It's pretty great, pretty corny, but really made me cry. Um, and then there's lots of them though. That like, here's the problem with this show is that there is a lot of sentimentality to it and a lot of big story stuff going on. So it's hard to enjoy. Uh, a good man goes to war unless you know what's happening leading up to that. Anyway, whatever. There's plenty about Doctor Who out there. I'm sure you'll find it. But anyway, check out Jason's uh, little guide. I think it's really good. And I put it in last week's show notes. I'll put it back in this one, the uh, two recent episodes of The Incomparable, probably my third or fourth favorite podcast, um, is uh, probably higher. You know, I listen to a lot of The Incomparable. It's a very good show. It's, it's a, a great a very, show. It's a very good, nerdy show. I went back and listened to all three of their of their Holiday Vault episodes. It's a great show. Go listen to The Incomparable. And enough about that. Bad Wolf. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what do you get up to that, Dan? All you have to do is watch the entire first season. That's it? Yeah, yeah, and you get up to Bad Wolf. <laughs> Did you watch it when you were a kid? Doctor Who, yeah. Tom Baker. And I didn't, I, I'm not saying I understood all of it. No. But I, I don't thoroughly think enjoyed it that we had K-9. We had, um, we had the, 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 uh, Assistant that was with him, Sarah Jane, at, at, of Tom Baker time period, probably either uh, Sarah Jane or Romana. There was one of them that was sort of channeling a Princess Leia, slave girl type vibe. Am I remembering this right? I hope so. <laughs> that anyway, that was the time period. It was was Tom Baker, K Nine, and the Daleks, and uh, and I I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I didn't understand it. I thought the accents were fascinating, and, and uh, yeah, I, I liked it. But I haven't watched it really since nineteen, you know, seventy nine or whenever right. that was. Yeah, eighty. It's. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not gonna talk about it. I don't want to drag you into this, but you should watch it. 
Okay. You need more TV to watch. Is what you need. That's what I need. I know. I've been looking for it. Bad wolf. <clears throat> Moving on. Uh, more fake follow-up. Uh, what else fake follow-up? Um, oh, yeah. I should mention Thursday, the 12th of December, which is two days from now. Um, excuse me. Can you... Uh, <laughs> Ivan! Is uh, the uh, Uncanny uh, uh, uncanny and Gainly. Ungainly X-Men meetup. Oh, cool. At, uh, two Cats Comics. This is becoming a, a bi-monthly event. I wouldn't say that. I'm curious. <laughs> um, so if you go to MerlinM.com slash meetup, and it's also in show notes. Anyway, come on out Thursday night. Uh, I got to see my daughter sing before that, so I might be a little late. But 7.30, 8 o'clock, 7.30 or 8 at uh, Two Cats Comics in West Portal. Uh, all the maps and muni information and everything are in there. Check it out. Come on out. Hang out. Uh, say hi to me if that's the kind of thing you like. And, uh, you know, talk about comics and Magic the Gathering. Oh, really? You're into that now? No. I'm, I'm really kind of confused Uno. by it. Everything I know about Magic the Gathering, I learned from an episode of Adventure Time. <laughs> Remember that? No, I don't remember that one. Remember the one remember the, where, where, where BMO, nobody will play the card game with Jake? And then Finn reluctantly agrees to play the card game with him. You know, he flips the pig with the corn people and all that. You don't remember that Not one? Not really. Oh, it's really, really funny. You can't flip your pig. Anyway. Dan, what's happened to this show? This is a show, I think, that, uh, you know how we have, There's. it's kind of like, it's cyclical. Yeah, the cycles seem to be getting longer, though. But that's all right. I mean, like, people like are along, woman. but they're along for the ride now. Yes, the ride. You know? Sure. Yes. <sighs> I hope so. You look at the numbers. I don't. You, you tell me if I need to change something, right? Probably not. No, I don't think you need to change a thing. It's your show. That's really all I got. I do have some, uh, I do have, have a, a very general uh, idea. Did you want to, hey, is there anything else you want to talk about? You, wanted to, you, you never talk about your bacon method or all your other upcoming shows. Did you want to mention anything? You want to mention your bacon method? You're selling cups? Um, mugs. There are a few left. <laughs> They're not athletic. They're cups. adjustable. No, uh, we, uh, we have a little thing called bacon method, which is the easy way to make bacon. It's a non-mess way to make bacon. Very crispy. So go to baconmethod.com. I'm not going to go over it here, but we still have some magnets and uh, mugs and a couple t-shirts left uh, if you want to buy some. I'm a fan of the bacon method. I use it. I have one of those ovens like Hattie where you got to really make sure it's working right. It's real off. I I almost ruined a chicken last night. In the the oven? Well, (laughs) what kind of work does he do? Yes. (laughs) Yes, in the oven because of the inexactitude of our Jurassic uh, cooker, as we say in the Doctor Who community, the cooker. But I got it. You know, it was good. It's a very simple. Re- it's a very simple recipe. It's the Zuni chicken recipe, and it's so simple. It's it's like the bacon method of cooking chicken. Let's you hear it. I want to hear it. Okay, you get one of those nice chickens, like a nice chicken, like one that's been to school and stuff. You get one of those like uh, air dried chickens. You take it out. You get the oven to four fifty, and all you do you you clean that sucker out. You get it nice and dry. Lots of kosher salt on the outside, lots of kosher salt on the inside. Truss it up, put it in there exactly an hour at 450. It's the best roast chicken you'll ever have. That's all you do. No rosemary, no thyme, no cardamom, no other stuff, just salt. That's just it. Salt. And, it's, and it's perfect. Yeah. It helps to have an oven. <laughs> Is this mm. this thing where you put it in a bag and boil it? No, I think it's in a brining. Oh, right. Did you do You're, a turkey at Thanksgiving? Did I do a turkey? Did no. Did you brine my, it up? My, no, I did not brine it. My sister-in-law, who threw my glasses away, not that I'm angry, she is a fantastic cook. And she made, uh, you know, these turkeys are getting bigger. 
I don't know if it's steroids, but she had like a, like, you know, you can get like a 30 pound turkey now. Are you aware of this? A 30 pound. Are you kidding me? I think they're becoming sentient. I think <laughs> they say 12 to 14 pounds is like, that's the limit. What are you, up who's, to, up who, to the 1930s, that was the biggest turkey you could get was 15 pounds. Good. Since then, because of science, now you can get a 30 pound turkey. That's insane. Can that, that thing was, even that's, live? That's what a three-year-old weighs. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it lives. It must. It could be science. I don't know. Could be prednisone. That poor guy. Look at that. I didn't get that moon faced. I was more like a half moon face. Gibbous waning. <clears throat> so um, last week, I asked people for ideas for things to talk about. Um, and a bunch of people wrote in with tons of great ideas. See, now this is going to be pseudo serious, and I feel like a dope. I don't want to talk about it now. We should talk more about fonts. You want to? Um, well, <clears throat> there were two uh, suggestions that I that I really liked, and I, I don't know. It might be too much to get into. How much time? Oh, we're okay on time. Um, one of them. Um, well, let's just let's just focus on one of them, I guess. But because so I won't get into a big rant. Um, but uh, well. I'm going to say it, two, two good ones. Uh, one of them was uh, coming out of a, a very excellent, I don't know if you were listening to the Accidental Tech Podcast, but they do, they do a, long, uh, a long show about Haswell, and then about 40 minutes into it, they played a little song, and then they, they, then they talk afterward in their version of kind of like an after dark. And they had a really interesting one two episodes ago talking about dealing with criticism and dealing with, you know, I guess you could say dealing with trolls. Mm -hmm. So some people were, at, you know, and they mentioned this is turning into a back-to-work episode or something like that. And Syracuse had mentioned how we've talked about this kind of stuff on here. So one of the suggestions that grabbed me was dealing with criticism and how to handle negative feedback um, from people. And I, I think there's all kinds of things we could talk about with that. Um, I have lots of feelings about that that are very faceted. Mm -hmm. um, how to seek actual criticism and ideas for improvement from people versus I think what people really mean is how to get a thicker skin. Um, I think that's a very interesting topic that comes up a lot. And uh, I'd love to talk about that if you're interested. I would love that. That's great. But I also want to mention this other one. Um, our friend uh, Dave Chartier from, um, you know, he works over at the Edge Out Bits. Dave, and he's done lots of stuff with, with writing and whatnot. Um, how to shake the feeling that everyone knows everything you know and can do everything you do so your skills are worthless. Do people really feel that way? I think a lot of people do. Um. Uh, and, and I don't know why, but in my head, the reason I mentioned those two out of the dozens of suggestions we got are, are impossible as it seems. I think those two things are kind of related. On the one hand, how do you deal with, well, you, you know, <laughs> we could probably even just talk about the first one because it's such a big topic. How do you deal with people being mean to you on the internet? How do you deal with people who, I guess, make fun of you or who say unkind things mm -hmm. to you? How do you, but, you know, it's a that the first one is a funny question because it's I think the way most people would phrase it is how do you deal with criticism and negative feedback? Well, that's a that's a big kahuna. I mean, there's a lot to that. There's there is the aspect of like how do I improve my work by finding good people to get notes from versus how do I feel less bad about what strangers say about me? Or for that matter, I guess you could say what people I kind of know say about me. And to me, gosh, we could I don't know. That that could probably be enough. Did you hear it. that, Howard? Somebody sent this in, this Howard Stern clip. Did you hear that? I, I just saw the quote. Could you uh, read it? Well, not. I don't have that. I don't actually have the quote, and I'm not going to play it on the air, but the, the gist of it is that Howard Stern is listening, 
to a caller who calls in and the caller says that he has some suggestions uh, on the show and on how he thinks the show could be better. Howard Stern's show. And the guy says something along the lines of, well, your opinion or your suggestions are irrelevant. And the guy's like, what, you don't want to, you don't want to hear what I have to say about your show? He's like, no, he's like, I didn't become an innovator by listening to other people's suggestions. I became an innovator by doing what I wanted to do and what I knew would work or what I thought would work. He's like, I, you know, if I listened to everybody else uh, and did what they wanted me to do, you know, I'd have the worst show in the world. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what, you know, this is what he's basically saying to the caller. He's like, your opinions, your thoughts, your, your, your critique and suggestions are absolutely irrelevant. It doesn't matter what you say at all about the show. I'm going to do it the way I want. And he's like, you know, get basically get out of here, you know? And it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, philosophy and it's an interesting idea. Um, and, you know, he's like, I didn't get where I am today by listening to other people. I didn't get mm-hmm. where I am today by listening to other people, uh, make recommendations and and doing what they say I should do. I did it on my own, and of course he's a successful person, and if if not the most successful radio personality, like maybe ever. So it's one thing if you know that's fine for Howard, but uh, you know, but I think it's interesting in that having that kind of confidence to say to somebody, you know what, it it doesn't really matter to me what you think. I'm not saying do it in the sort of hostile way that. Uh, that Howard Stern might have responded to the person, but that that's a very interesting thing of, of how do you take, uh, how do you take somebody else's criticisms or thoughts or comments or suggestions or improvements and know when to disregard those, know when those are really not relevant. There's always, you know, that famous uh, Steve jobs quote, which I'm about to mess up, but maybe, you know, uh, which is, you know, people don't know what they want until we show it to them. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of along those lines. This is something I think about a lot. Sure. And it's a very interesting topic. You know, there, there, there's on the one hand, you want to respond positively to the thing that people are asking for, you know, give the people what they want on the one hand. And then on the other hand, there's knowing that what you're doing or believing in what you're doing and then there's that scary part of like, well, what if I'm just nuts and what I think is what I need to do is actually wrong because it's not working and I, I can't seem to make it work. Mm-hmm. The, the, I might be thinking of something else. I saw a quote go by on Twitter. I thought it was to us, but somebody, the, see, now I'm going to screw it up. But I, the part that I saw, the quote that I saw from Howard Stern was something like, forgive me, something like, you know, take whatever's useful and then leave the rest behind. Well, Something that's a good one, too. Things. That's different from what I, I was seeing. <clears throat> but, oh, this is really big. I'm not quite sure how to get into this. Well, oh, I'll tell you what. You think about it. I'll do our second sponsor. Oh, I'd appreciate that. Thank you, Dan. Is there something you'd like to uh, tell me about? That Shutter, you like? Yeah, Shutterstock.com. 28 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations, a million video clips. I love these guys. Uh, we went out there and met them in their fancy pants. Uh, you know what? You know where they're moving to? This is weird. The Empire State Building. Like, people have offices in there. It's not just a big uh, tourist attraction. It's actually a real building. Hmm. Is that right? And they, uh, they're they moving their office into there. They, these guys are amazing. And uh, And I'll tell you what they do. They have an image collection. You go in, you search, and you're going to search images coming across the entire world. 
You can get one image. You can get monthly packs. Like if, let's say you run a website and you need a different image every day or you need a big post every week or whatever, or you're building an iOS app and you want a pretty background to use on the, the launch screen, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're going to find something amazing over at Shutterstock. This is the one-stop shop, the source, the place to go to find the kinds of images and videos. They're adding 20,000 new images every day from independent photographers all around the world. 12,000 videos each week they're adding. They don't charge more. As, as our listeners like to quote me, they don't nickel and dime me for the high-resolution images. You get them built in. You create light boxes as you go, and you're able to uh, you're able to basically uh, uh, go in there and uh, and and download whatever it is that you need. You take it, you use it, throw it in your light box, share the light box with a friend. They have an iPad app that makes it easy. All this stuff is amazing. It's just amazing. Twenty four hour support during the week if you need it. Free browse account. But you don't have to give them a credit card or anything like that. You just go to Shutterstock.com. You find the images you like, you're ready to purchase. Here's the offer code. Back to work, 1213. Back to work, spelled out, 1213. That's going to give you 25% off anything you do over at Shutterstock.com. Pretty amazing. Great stuff. Great stuff. 25% off, back to work, 1213. You want one image, go get, go get the one image. That's it. All right. I'm sorry. I've been looking at my index card. Did you thank them for supporting 5x5? Thank you very much to Shutterstock.com for supporting 5x5 and back to work with Merlin Mann. Hmm. You you claimed in the first episode that that's what the show would be called, but that's not what we ended up calling the show. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Back to work with with Merlin Mann. It's right here. Back to work. Okay. Do you want me to change? Um, Oh, you're talking about that. Well, it wrapped weird. Oh, sure. Do you want me to update? I'll update that. I think it's actually called hip hop. <laughs> the uh, the thing is, the uh, <laughs> the way this came up on um, it was a it was a really really good discussion. Uh, Casey and John and Marco talking about you know uh, I, I see I, I don't like to use the word trolling because it's it's you know obviously got a very negative yeah feeling. But you know I'm a word guy. I'm not a great word guy. I'm not like the smartest word guy, but sometimes I think it's helpful to really look at what words we're using to describe things because words can be very deceptive. If we're using, uh, if, we're, if we're saying one thing but meaning something else, then it's worth taking a step back and looking what it is that we're talking about. Because I guess I feel like the most uh, interesting things I've figured out are, are when I realized I was focusing too closely, too tightly on this one little part of this thing when there was really a much bigger thing where I should be stepping back and looking at. So, you know, I think when, when people talk about things like, they say, you know, how do you deal with criticism, negative feedback? Um, well, is it, you know, is it really criticism that you're dealing with or is it people being dicks that you're dealing with? Because there's, there's a big difference. If you think you're going to get useful criticism from somebody who's being a dick, then maybe you need to be listening to better people. If you really want to get better at what you do, yeah, you've definitely got to like talk to people and listen to people. Right. And, and you could even do things like look at analytics. You could look at statistics. You could, I mean, you tell me. I mean, if you were to look at like what our most downloaded episodes were, do you think that's indicative of like what this show is? Because it could have to do with holidays. It could have to do with, you know, what Apple device came out that week. I, I would never in a million years try to put my faith in what was good about this show by looking at something as simple as, you know, 
a multi-digit number. That's one way you could do it, though. Certainly could be part of a larger part of a larger picture. But even with criticism, what people like appear, what you feel like people are ganging up on you about, is that actually indicative? Is if more and more and more people uh, are mean about this one thing, does that make you more and more wrong about it? If lots of people congratulate you, strangers congratulate you for this thing that they they say they liked, does that mean that's the best thing you've ever did? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But like, you have to decide for yourself, like, what part of that you're trying to really address, and what part of that really matters. And I think this gets into personally. I think this gets into a million different, very interesting things. Uh, and and the reason I think it's related to what Dave said about you know wondering you know if everybody knows what you do knows what you know and therefore what you know is not as valuable. There's a common thread through a lot of this stuff, which is appearing appearing publicly somewhere like the internet, mm-hmm. or I guess for that matter, TV or radio, in Howard Stern's case, like being out there, but then also like going and reading all of that stuff. Um, if you were a poet and you stood you know, on a subway platform in, in New York and handed out copies of your poem and asked people what they thought of them, well, first of all, you'd seem like kind of a weirdo, but second of all, would it surprise you at all that a lot of people either were not interested or they said, this is garbage? It wouldn't surprise you. But if we put your poem on the internet and everybody goes, this is Drek, your feelings get all hurt. Well, there's a performative component to what a lot of us are doing, where if we stand up on this proscenium, you know, if we're up on a stage in front of people, is it surprising that there are going to be some people who are not, um, who don't love us in a completely, of course uh, you not. know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't. But I mean, the thing is though, look at whatever Stravinsky's Rites of Spring that supposedly caused a riot when it came out. A lot of people regard that as the best thing he ever wrote and they almost tore the theater apart. That's one real simple way to look at it. Well, not all criticism is is timely, correct, up-to-date. Uh, not all criticism comes from the same place. And, and this is why I think it's really important to separate the way you feel about yourself versus the way people say they feel about you, versus the actual work. And I think most people don't do that. I think most people think they equals equals the work. And when somebody says something mean about the work, whether it is accurate, fair, uh, whether it takes into account everything that's going on in your life or whatever, they take that personally. They don't see that as this poem sucked or this uh, version of the Howard Stern Show today sucked, this episode. They take it as something that says they're a bad person which sounds obvious, but I don't think that is obvious to most people. And so part of that to me is accepting that there are some people that for whatever reason, just are not going to like you. They just don't like you as an entity. Nothing you ever do will be okay with them. And if, if, if it is okay with them, it might be for reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with why you ever decided to make it in the first place. So I think one, you know, step one, I think is to realize that if you're if you're out in public, you're just going to have to get used to the idea that people are going to say stuff that you don't like. And then you have to, I think, if you decide you want to grow up a little bit, you have to decide how much what everybody in the world that you have no control over is saying about stuff, like what impact that should have on what you do, what you feel, and who you decide to be. There's a big dust up yesterday about the whole like uh, people blocking the Google bus and oh, the right. guy who was, and like everybody was so out of sorts about that because it was really awful and ugly and it really exemplified a lot of what makes San Francisco such an obnoxious place was the idea that somebody who works at Google was out there telling people that, you know, if they didn't have enough money, they should move somewhere else. And 
the 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 and so I'm, this is not necessarily going where you think it's going, because uh, then it turned out, of course, that that was it was apparently staged. But the funny part of that is like that's even weirder. Okay, it is weirder, but like so, like you're using this thing that people gave you through a video to make your decision about the world and about life, and for that matter, about how to spend your morning. Right, like it, you're going to spend your morning having public opinions about this thing that happened, right? The part that's funny to me is that it did turn out apparently to be a a staged incident, hmm. but it doesn't do anything to change the fact that there are still very real problems in this city around class and around money and around if you like. It's always so funny to me when white people talk about gentrification, but you know, um, <laughs> but yeah, whatever. I, I understand these are all real problems. I, I I don't have a dog in this fight, except in as much as that like my family like everybody else in san francisco has to deal with 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 what that means but it's just so funny to me how these projections on the wall can make people stop what they're doing right. have an extremely strong emotion about something and then get real involved in it for a little while right and it isn't like they're going out and going to work in a soup kitchen it isn't like they're they're going out and doing some kind of actual direct action it's not like they're even going and writing to their city councilman about or in, in our case our you know supervisors it's it's just funny to me how like how easy it is today to get somebody emotionally wrapped up in something that they then blow the rest of their day on something doing very little to actually change the situation other than add more fire to some pointless pot of boiling water like what are we all better off today now that that's happened, have we all gotten that out of our system? Are we all like better formed, better informed, uh, more thoughtful members of the body politic as a result of all of that? No. We move on to the next thing and we go make a fun of somebody's butt at a red carpet ceremony or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or we wonder what's going to happen with the next Wonder Woman and what we should think about that. There's just this, you know, I wrote that thing a few years ago called Better, which is just this thing about the idea that like, I, I don't want to be drawn along by that. I mean, I, I may be out there. I may be on the proscenium sometimes. I may say things that stir people up. But every single one of us in this entire world, we all have the ability, the opportunity, and the responsibility to decide how we're going to feel about anything that happens and then what we're going to do about it. And the problem is that it's very easy to let the entire world constantly decide that for you. It doesn't take, it's, it's not so different than somebody who sits in their inbox waiting to see what somebody else expects them to do today. If you sit around on the internet waiting to see what other people think and what they think of you, you're eventually going to find a lot of people who disagree with you. And that might really get your dander up. And it might make you want to go defend yourself or defend your position or defend any of that stuff. It might, in the case of what David's talking about, there are a lot of people out there who you know, follow all these experts on topics where they start to feel like, oh, I don't, I don't know much about stuff at all. I better go learn lots about stuff so that I can become a stuff person. I just think there's a thread through a lot of this stuff, which is that if you don't separate all these things out into the different pieces, then you're bound to end up being a very angry, hurt, hurtful person a lot of the time. That's, I mean, I, that really sounds abstract, but I think it evidences itself in a lot of very specific ways. Marco and Casey and John put out this really good podcast, and there are some people who just flatly hate Marco. Marco is very opinionated and Marco says things very strongly. And sometimes he, he, you know, I think to his credit, he doesn't do anything to kind of cushion what he says. I think sometimes he could probably think it out a little bit more carefully and phrase it in a way that was clearer. But the truth is, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be somebody who just thinks he's kind of a dope. So now it's up to Marco to decide how that's going to change the way he feels about himself. Well, one way to not feel that way anymore would be to not say things. Another way would be to not mind. 
if there's anything to learn from the criticism or that I feel like I've learned is that it sometimes really does help if you are saying factual about a fact, saying something factual about a fact in the world, this is very Syracuse-esque, it does help to be accurate and clear about what you're saying. But you could be so accurate, so clear, so correct. You could put out the rights of spring, and I can promise you there are still going to be so many people who hate what you do and just hate the fact that you exist. And so when we try to pose this as a conversation about how do you deal with criticism, you're not really dealing with criticism. You're dealing with issues of influence and status and public performance. It isn't like somebody wrote you a little note and said, you know, I liked it better when you talked more about this than that. Just a note. You know, I think it'd be kind of cool if you talked more about Windows stuff here as well as Mac stuff. Just an opinion. I got, I got, a, I got a tooth from a really nice guy the other day. And one of his ideas for the topic on the show was why I use Apple stuff instead of, for example, Linux. Right. And uh, I might be getting this slightly wrong, but I, I wrote him back and I said, that was an easy one. I was like, well, to be honest, I probably use Apple stuff because it's what I've used since 1987. I can't think of a more truthful or accurate or complete way to put an, a fact in the world than to say that, which is I don't, I, I don't have a reason <laughs> that I, I guess I could, I could retcon this and say, well, I stay with it because of the you know, uh, build quality and I trust Apple and I could turn it into a whole thing that I could have more arguments about. But that was really the truth. The truth is, honestly, hmm, I probably use Apple stuff because I've always used Apple stuff. And I think he wanted me to explore that more and go, well, yeah, but why? Why haven't you looked at other stuff? And the, the, the truth is, I just don't have an opinion. I, I have no opinion about that. I, I gave you the, I'm not I'm saying this in an angry place, but it's, it's just more like, I honestly don't have anything more to say about that. There's, there's nothing that I have to say about that that's going to lead us anywhere that super duper interesting without taking up a whole lot of time. I, I mean, and I'm not picking on this guy. All I'm trying to say is that like when somebody comes at you, comes and says something to you, it, they're coming at it from their point of view about the things that interest them. And a lot of times they're just reaching out to you, right? I mean, don't you have train wrecks that you like to follow on the internet? Aren't there people you like to follow who are just a mess and it's really just fun to watch them be a mess? I think everybody's got things like that. Some it's of why them, they, right? Yeah, watch reality TV or whatever. The reasons that we do all this stuff is really complicated. But in terms of the criticism part or in terms of, you know, the, the problem with Howard Stern is he is a very public figure. And he's a very public figure in an environment where people have gotten very used to having the expectation, um, not simply of input, not simply of access, but of responses in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think the, the, the kind of culture, by and large, that we live in today, there's all these companies out there trying to get people to engage with their brand. And so they go put up a web page. Uh, have you seen Chip, Chip Zdarsky, the, uh, the, art, the comic artist? Have you seen his um, conversations with uh, Olive Garden? On Facebook. Oh, uh, no, no, I've heard about this. I haven't it's, read that. It's very silly and very plain. But somebody who works for Olive Garden or their brand engagement uh, consultancy will say stuff like, you know, <laughs> what kind of Venetian chicken poppers are you going to have for lunch today? Like, that's an actual conversation to have with a person. And then <laughs> Chip will respond, mention something about his health or something, and then they'll have to respond. And you have this weird, like, fake conversation. Now, in that case, like, you're asking this dumb question, and, like, what do you really expect people to say? In the case of Howard Stern, think about how you and I are about listening to radio or listening yeah. to podcasts and the whole, yeah. like, yelling back at your computer thing. Why can't? Because you feel like you know that person. People have such a strong feeling about Howard Stern. They really, really like him, or they really, really like not liking him. 
And so he's kind of he's kind of breaking the fourth wall a little bit by saying something that everybody should know is true. He's saying it maybe in not the kindest way in the world. But I mean, does Howard Stern have time to sit around all day and tell people that he 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 doesn't have time to hear all their notes about how his show should be? That would be really hard to do. I'll tell you one thing: a lot of places, uh, I think, like especially places like comics and comics, I think in TV writing, they're like, "Listen, fans, we love you, but please stop sending us ideas for things. Right? We're not going to read them." And the problem is, <clears throat> even if we don't read them, if we ever use any idea that is vaguely like what it is that you sent us. Now, you're now it's your get, idea and you're going to sue us. And you're going to, yeah, and you're, you're at least going to get mad and, and you might want to get litigious about it. So uh, most p- places have a formal policy of saying, thank you for, thank you for listening, but like, please, <laughs> please don't say well, stuff. And you know what? I mean, it's, it's weird because in the same way that people will like, and this is on a much, much different scale, of course, but people will email me and they'll want to like pitch a show idea. So somebody will be like, oh, I want to do a show about, you know, video games. I want to talk about this, that, and I'll have that. Like, great. Because guess what? We've been working on a show for, I'm making this up. We've been working on a show for six months and like three of the things you said are going to be in the show. Now I'm stealing your idea. And when I come out with it, you know what I mean? Like it, it, that's on a much bigger scale for him. But I will tell you, engaging with the brand, I do have a, a little uh, story. That I want okay. to share about that. I don't want to go too far before I... Let me just say one thing, though. Please. I just want to be clear, because I, I could see myself getting picked on for this, and that's fine. This is going to be my small bit of self-defense. I, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do anything as somebody who's a publisher or a producer or a whatever. I, I just think you need to have your own idea in your own head. You can have all the policies in the world that you want, right? And you can decide whether you're a nice person or a mean person or, like so many people, a fake nice person. Mm-hmm. Like, you can decide all that for yourself. If, if your thing is going to be, if, if you're going to, like, if you, if you want to be heavily engaged with that stuff, if you want to, like, be online arguing with people all day, there is nothing wrong with that. Except I would just say, understand that that's a trade-off. That amount of time that you spend on that, you are now a social media responder rather than somebody who's doing another thing. It might make you seem like a nicer person or a more engaged person. It's fine. But just understand what you trade when you do that. There's so I mean, it would the easy answer, the easy, the facile answer is to say, well, I should have a very clear policy about how I deal with people. It doesn't matter. Everybody, no matter what, nobody cares what your policy is. They care what the bee in their bonnet is, what they have to say to you. It could be somebody who's been a, a fan of something you've done for 10, 15, 20 years. All that's gonna matter is on the one day that they reached out to you, if you didn't respond in the way they expected, you could really seem like a jerk. And then you have to understand and accept that that is a reality in life. Howard Stern has made his peace with that. I still struggle with that, but I've had to make my peace with that a little bit Mm because I just can't do that all day. Oh, yeah. But the, the, the really crappy thing is to be somebody who acts like they're super engaged when they're actually just a big phony abusing text expander to just send out fake personalized responses to people. Sorry to be alcohol and Caulfield, but that to me is that's the lame thing is acting like you really do care what people think and you really do care what kind of Venetian chicken poppers people are going to have. <laughs> Olive Garden doesn't care what you're ordering. They just want you to order it. Right. You know, it's like uh, whatever, Samantha, the telemarketer bot. Like, you know, you could argue with this thing all day long, but it really diminishes our relationships with other people if all we do is listen to the roar of a crowd rather than be very specific about which little voices in that crowd have a really meaningful impact on how we feel about ourselves and our work. So all all I wanted to say was like, make your peace with that or make your ongoing day-to-day peace with that because the work that you create is yours. You know, you put it out there in front of people, 
But if it's not a collaborative project, then you have to make your peace with that. And if it is a collaborative project, you should be very gracious about taking all the input that you went out there and asked for. All, all I'm saying is like, if there's one little bottom line thing from this, it's just the idea of understanding that if you are out there and everybody is out there nowadays, you got to make your peace with the fact that some people just are never going to like you. Some people are just being mean to do it in public and have it be a thing, right? It's, a, it's their version. It's their performance. Right. It just happens to be colliding with your performance. All I would say is if you want to get better at what you do, and you want to make better things, you are going to have to make your peace with the fact that it's going to be out there. People are going to think what they think of it. And then you have to decide what their response to it has to do with what you decide to do next. And I would hope that strangers not liking what you do is not going to stop you from doing things you want in the way that you want. And until you can make your peace with that, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to make that much cool stuff. Your uh, engagement story. Or I can't follow. Can't follow up that. that no, was, I'm geez, just that was pure genius. I just, Come on, no, no. I just it's didn't want to. I, I don't. I mean, like, I, I kind of made my peace with this. My feelings get hurt like anybody, but I also just realized, like, everybody out there. Like I said, nobody's ever thought they were wrong about anything. Um, very few people spend their day wondering what they can be corrected about, and yet, and yet. All day long, so many of us sit around trying to fix other people and trying to help them see the error of their ways and trying to help them understand that there's this thing that they've just never gotten right. And all I can say is who cares? It's always been that way. You've, people have always wanted everybody else in the world to be like them. It's never happened and it's never going to happen. And walking around thinking that you're going to do anything except scream into this great void of wilderness about how you wish the world were is going to just make you an unhappy and embittered person. So if you want criticism from people, like criticism in the true sense of the word, if you want notes, if you want to find an Ezra Pound for your T.S. Eliot, get out there and go contact somebody personally. But I would not just go start, you know, tacking up poems all, all inside uh, Grand Central Station and hoping that you're going to get a great response. It's just not going to happen that way. I mean, you know, I, if it matters a lot to you to make something good... Get a blue ribbon panel. Get five or six people that you really trust who, who, who you want real notes from. And final tip on this, if you want real criticism from people, if you want real notes from real people about something you've written, something you've, a performance, whatever it is, don't say, what did you think? Never say, what did you think? That is completely unhelpful. And anybody who's ever gotten that question asked knows what to say, which is, I thought it was pretty good. What should you but ask? If you, you ask them something extremely specific. You say, I, I kind of feel like this, uh, this one episode I wrote called Midnight is a little bit like a Twilight Zone. Do you think it's too much like a Twilight Zone? What about this one part? You ask them for something very specific that you have a niggling concern about. And that sets the, the tone of trust, which is like you said to them, I'm opening the door for you to criticize me about this one thing. And if they say, well, to tell you the truth, I thought it was actually pretty good. Uh, I did think it reminded me a little bit of this there, but that wasn't a problem for me. If, they, if you're, they're really your pal, you know what they'll say? You know what really bothered me was you introduced this character in the second act that I found kind of distracting because I wanted to know more about why this was happening with this person. That's criticism. That's criticism in the true sense of the word, in the Syracusean sense of like, here's a way that this thing could be better. It could always be better. But criticism has come to mean being mean. And that's not what it means. That's just being a dick. That's not criticism. That, right. That's a completely different right. animal. Right. So if you want to improve your work, you've got to, you've got to, I think you've really got to start by saying, am I happy with this? Am I proud of this? If you're not proud of this, my God, don't ask other people if they like it. What do you think? 
Don't ask that. But, you know, if you are surrounded by people, I've known that, I've said this in the past, but there have been times when I've known that, like, something was not working out because friends of mine were saying, like, I, I can't listen to that show anymore. It drives me crazy. Or I can't look at your site anymore. It's got too many ads. Or whatever. Boy, that's incredibly useful criticism. Like, what, what could be a nicer friend than somebody who tells you something like that? But just remember that when strangers out there are saying those things to you, there's so much useful stuff you can get from that if you sift through it all. But just remember, everybody's got their own point of view about it. And what you decide to create should have its own life outside of what strangers think about it. If, if all you ever do is try to produce something that'll make strangers say, I like you, or I pretend to like you, mm. you're not going to make anything of any substance. Right. And I think in, in his no, own- It's almost like you're saying you need to be willing to take some degree of risk and some degree of responsibility for, your, for yourself. Well, think about, yeah, and think about some speculative fiction world where we see what Howard Stern's show would look like if everybody who was a fan got an equal vote on how the show should be. That would, that would be a terrible Frankenstein of a show. It would, just, it would just all be, what, it would be like boobs and giggling, <laughs> you know? It wouldn't have the substance that, I, I'm not a giant Howard Stern fan, I just never got into it, but I, I, I can see why people do like him. And everybody who likes Howard Stern says the same thing, which is the show is not what you think it's about. You, like in my case, I think it's about this self-involved guy with uh, sunglasses talking about boobs. And everybody I know and trust who likes that show says the same thing, which is there's a lot more to it than that if you listen for a while. But there's always going to be somebody who wants more sunglasses or more boobs or less talking about life. You know, it's, he's, I don't know. I, I, it's, there's not a decisive, as with all this stuff, there's no decisive solution to this, except that you ultimately, you are the one who has to decide every day how you're going to spend your time and where you're going to put your attention. It'll always come back to that for me. If you've decided that it's worthy of your attention to find out what everybody thinks about you and then do something to improve it, you're in a bad way. Great quote from John Syracuse um, in that episode of Accidental Tech Podcast. It's not my job and it's not my desire to find everyone who doesn't like me and convince them that they should like me. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because everybody likes John Syracuse. That's if you true. don't like John Syracuse, shame on you. I'm sorry, Dan. I, that didn't really go anywhere. As usual, when you think it goes nowhere, it's your best work. No, it's really terrible. Tell me about your engagement story. I really, it's not that good. It's now it doesn't matter. After dark, after dark. Yeah, I'll we'll save it for that. Okay, let's button this up. I love you, Merlin Man. I actually do love you, Dan Benjamin. <laughs> I'm glad. Love you too. Bye. Bye.